1: all right guys welcome to episode number 24 of the southern outdoorsman podcast i'm here with my buddy jacob myers and today we're going to be talking a little bit about turkey season and uh, how our seasons went, and now that it's winding down, what we're going to be doing in the meantime. Jacob, how you doing, man?
0: Doing great, man. But you know, while your season's kind of winding down, I still got a couple more days left up here in Ohio. But uh, but yeah, man, it's going good. Huh? Work's been keeping me busy. Uh, last couple weeks, I've been from Jacksonville, Florida, to Oklahoma City, Kansas, and now I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, as we speak. There you go. So, so now, man. what have you been up to?
1: uh well i got to go back to birmingham this weekend and be with the family a little bit and uh, grill out so that was pretty nice and other than that i've just been getting stuff done that needs to get done you know how it is not a whole lot of uh outdoor recreation going on in my neck of the woods
0: yeah unfortunately man it's called life so you got to do what you got to do but you know other than that it seems like we're both staying pretty busy. I know a lot of uh, our listeners are kind of doing the same thing. You know, everyone's kind of, especially in the south, kind of dying down now. Turkey season's kind of closing. And, you know, most states, you know, you still get Tennessee open for another week, and then you got uh, Georgia very similar. So, uh and other than that, most people are kind of kind of slacking off now. Look, focus on fishing, and then also, you know, I guess pretty much starting to scout and get planned for, uh, you know, whitetails this fall.
1: Yeah. Dude, before we go on, can you believe we've done 24 episodes?
0: <laughs> I cannot, man, but now I kind of think about it, I can totally believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a uh,
1: and it's been like a it's been a busy spring, but I've enjoyed it, man.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, it's definitely uh kept me focused along with work, uh, having something fun to do, especially while I'm traveling. Because, you know, traveling gets kind of old after a little while. You know, same old thing, you know, working in different states and stuff like that. So uh, it's always kind of fun to jump on the podcast. And whether we're interviewing somebody for the short Report or doing a, uh, an, uh, you know, main episode, um, you know, it's always a fun time. So have a, have a, I've had a blast so far. Uh, I know you probably can say the same for yourself.
1: Yeah, man, it's been fun. And just doing it every week and catching up with people and just getting that time to talk about hunting with with people every week just it's what we all crave as hunters man it's that camaraderie you know it's just nice to have that
0: there yeah 100 percent. and i mean that's something that definitely i really appreciate i really like is you know not only like you and me be able to kind of you know, go out and do some hunting, but also talking to some of our listeners and just some of our other buddies across the country of, you know, what they've been up to and you know how they're having a blast this spring and you know what they got planned, especially for this fall.
1: Yeah. Well, now that the spring's winding down, we've we've done a ton of episodes and we have done a few pretty cool giveaways, but we have one last giveaway from an awesome company, Killer Gear. They're the makers of a, a turkey fan. Uh, They also make, what is it that they make, Jacob? I know they make an elk and antelope, maybe.
0: Yeah, so they do have an antelope fan and then also their elk fan. And their elk fan is extremely impressive. And I'm telling you, if we go to uh, Colorado or Idaho and hunting some dense timber, that definitely will be in our backpacks for sure. Uh, but yeah, guys, so we're doing a giveaway with killer gear, uh, and we're giving away two of their Jake fans, which are really cool, uh, pieces of gear to really have in your back pocket, especially if you're hunting, you know, more open country, whether you're hunting, you know, some bigger fields, ag, or even some really open hardwoods, um, that you can kind of pull out at the right time and really be able to show that bird something, uh, especially in a setup with maybe you don't have any decoys already set up. And, uh, anyways, guys, so we're going to do a giveaway with that. And I guess Andrew, uh, You know, I guess we can kind of talk about how people can get interested and get involved in that giveaway.
1: Yeah, so we've got two of these Jake fans, and we've also got two hats. So there's going to be two winners for this competition, and each winner will get a Jake fan and a hat from Killer Gear, which I've been sporting one of the other hats they sent us, which looks pretty sweet, i got to say. But in order to win you have to this this is uh is going to be on our Instagram page rather than Facebook. We've done all our others on Facebook, but this one's going to be Instagram. So we're going to drop a post uh today, the day that this airs, which will be uh Monday, May 7th. And all you got to do to win is go like that post, follow us on Instagram and tag two friends in the comments. And that's all you got to do. Uh the The competition will run for one week, and we will announce the winner on next Monday's episode. So tag two buddies, like the post, follow the page, and you're entered to win. And there will be two winners, so you got double the odds that you usually do.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's going to be something really cool, guys, that you can win. Again, have something in your arsenal to really bring out the right time of the year and the right scenario. Uh, I'm definitely going to get my hands on one of these relatively soon to be able to use a little bit more. And then also for next season, because I I know a couple different situations this year that that would have been the perfect uh, presentation of a decoy, Uh, while hunting some pretty open terrain uh, where, you know, the birds are kind of getting hung up because they weren't seeing what they were hearing. And that's really a good scenario, guys, that you can really, you know, put this decoy in to your lineup to really help you out for next season. Um, But anyways, Andrew, let's kind of jump into this week's episode. Uh, I know this week, guys, this is going to be me and Andrew talking kind of recapping of what we've done this season kind of what we've uh, been doing lately and kind of just uh kind of catching up and uh guys i'm sure y'all can relate with us on a lot of things you know we've all been super busy lately whether it's work family or whatever you know everyone seemed to be pretty busy and it's going to get even busier as this summer progresses uh especially with a. Uh, People starting to think towards whitetails this uh, fall, and also whether or not you're going to go out west and hunt this uh, out west this year. So, but anyways, Andrew, so what we got uh, in store for this week's episode?
1: So basically, we'll just. uh, I first of all, I want to hear about what you're fixing to do in Ohio because I know that you're up there, and tomorrow morning when this drops, you will be in the turkey woods. So, uh, what what's your plan for tomorrow, man? What you got going on around you?
0: Yeah, so kind of break down what's been going on with me. Um, last week I was in Oklahoma, and I thought I was going to hunt Oklahoma while I was there. Well, we had some pretty nasty weather. actually had some tornadoes and stuff, and really kind of kept me out of the woods, uh, as you can imagine. So I decided to put all my cards in uh, Ohio. So I'm up here for work, and fun thing is I only have to work two days this week. So I'll be working Tuesday and Wednesday. But other than that, I have the whole week to hunt. So I got up here yesterday. I hunted today, or half hunted. Um, unfortunately, the zone I'm hunting in, uh, there's you have to be done hunting by noon. Like back at the truck at noon, unfortunately. Uh, so I got out there kind of late after having a long night of driving last night. And uh, anyways, did some hunting slash scouting yesterday, or should I say today, uh, being Sunday. And it, it was the hunt wasn't great uh where i'm hunting at one of these management areas it is set up perfectly for whitetail uh it's a lot of big hardwoods that's just kind of just a lot really swampy um with some ag mixed in around it uh on some private land and there was just so much deer sign it was unreal like i was picturing like yeah i'd hang a stand here i'd hang a stand there on this one and that one Uh, you know, finding some decent bedding areas and just some really good travel corridors, uh, throughout these swamps, but it was not conducive for turkeys, at least where I was this morning, unfortunately. Um, so after that, you know, short hunt of only a couple hours, I was able to get back to the, get back to the car and started pretty much driving around and trying to cover the ground. Uh, my game plan was to try to drive around and locate some birds in some fields where I'm hunting is a, a lot of fields. Um, a lot of it was cut corn this past year. Uh, some still standing. Uh, and then we have some that has this cover crop on it right now before they've tilled it up. So, you know, trying to just cover as much ground as possible and really kind of figure out, you know, what the birds are going to be doing for tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So tomorrow you got all day to hunt, right?
0: Well, once again, it cuts off at noon, but I mean, yeah, I have up, I have up until noon to hunt and then I'm going to go scout a little bit more that afternoon. Um, because I might try to get out again later this week. But my game plan is, guys, for this week is I'm hunting Well, I hunted Sunday. I'm going to hunt Monday, work Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I'm going to make the decision whether I want to hunt up here in northern Ohio Thursday and Friday. Or if I want to make the drive down to southern Ohio uh, and hunt that Thursday and Friday. And maybe Saturday, but I doubt it. Um, so that's that's kind of the game plan right now. So that's still up in the air, but we're definitely gonna be I'm definitely gonna be hunting a total of four days uh, up here in Ohio, and I'm actually impressed, uh, Andrew. To be honest, I mean the tags up here and like the license is a lot cheaper than I thought it was gonna be. I mean it's still a little bit pricey. It's 100 about 170 bucks for one tag in your license, and you can buy another uh, tag if you harvest a bird for 29. dollars But you know it's one of those things that compared to a lot of states, that's pretty cheap. I mean. Oklahoma is going to cost me upwards of $250. Uh, Florida cost me $220. Um, I mean, Illinois is close to that. I mean, it's one of those things that, again, it's uh, you kind of find a budget. And I'm not going to lie, Ohio is pretty fun to hunt. Uh, I think southern Ohio is going to be a little bit better just because it's kind of more like what we're used to back home. You know, rolling hills, you know, a lot more terrain features, a lot more topography. And we're up here, it's like... At least on the public land side, it's pretty, pretty flat, pretty low land, uh, low-lying ground. It's, you know, got a lot of water on it. Uh, I had to cross three. Okay, check this out. So going into this <laughs> one spot that it was your fault. <laughs> I'm going to blame you. I guess, so, I give him the bad advice. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we were on Onyx, guys. And I'll, I'll tell you again, like, I could not do a hunt like this without Onyx just because of how well it was laying out the property lines so I could scout it before I got here. But... Me and Andrew were kind of scouting a couple days ago and just on Onyx looking at it. And he's like, man, this this top portion of the property looks awesome. There's no roads access. Like, it's pretty rough looking. There's a creek or two. Like, you need to go there. Well, I did that this afternoon, being Sunday. and You know, I get out there and it's a bunch of, like, walking out there, you have to walk past a bunch of uh, flooded fields that they, I guess they flood in the wintertime uh, for just, you know, geese and ducks. Well, I got off that and had to cross one creek, okay? Cross one creek, start walking through this bottom, and again, it gets the flooded timber. I'm like, man, there's not going to be birds down here because a turkey, unless he's wearing life preservers, he is not walking through this crap. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, so I decided to kind of make a big loop around, and I literally – so going in, I had to cross one creek. Coming out, I had to cross the same creek three times. Because the creek kept doing switchbacks that you could not see because how thick some of the cover was along the creek. Where you think, oh, okay, you just cross this creek, and then, you know, you can get out the other side. Well, you cross this creek, walk 30 yards, and the creek switches back again, you've got to cross it again. Well, anyways, that that was kind of my issue. And uh, let's just say I slipped on the second crossing when I was on the the edge. I had my phone on me, my work phone, and that that was not a good idea. But, um... I just made sure that didn't get wet, but kind of slid, slid into the creek a little bit, but it wasn't too bad, except my, uh, my uh, Hook's Custom Call uh, hooting Stick kind of went in the mud and uh, trying to find out it's kind of clogged, so i got to clean that sucker out tonight. But anyways, got up and crossed the creek, and then on the third creek crossing I had to do, let's just say I'm wearing 18-inch rubber-high boots, uh, Irish Shedders. I absolutely love these boots. Let's just say I had to tighten those bad boys down and go through about a little over knee-deep water across the last creek crossing. Because uh, it was the shallowest creek crossing I could find. So uh, let's just say I had some boots full of water after that. But uh, that anyways, was it was yeah, it was a rough afternoon. But the crazy thing is, on just driving around, just driving around, and I, I went to finally go eat at a diner around 2 o'clock. And uh, while I was at the diner, you know, wearing camo and everything, I had a guy come up to me and asked me, he's like, what? He's like, I'm guessing you're turkey hunting, right? And I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, well, I just saw... Or, oh, no, no, he was like, okay, that's awesome, man. I'm like, you know, would you happen to know, I mean, have you happened to see any turkeys lately? He's like, actually, about 10, 15 minutes ago, driving down whatever road, uh, you know, I saw a bird strutting and a couple other turkeys with him. I'm like, really? And he was trying to explain to me where this road was. I told him I was from out of town. I didn't know. So I got on Onyx, and this really helped, like for real, really helped. Got on Onyx. I was like, hey, can you show me where it is on the map? He's like, yeah. He pulled it up, found the field, and we had dropped a pin on it. And I was like, you know, I appreciate it, man. I literally go out there like an hour later after eating. Drove by the first time, it was a real big cut cornfield. And, you know, drove by the first time, I really didn't see anything. So I was like, you know, let me turn around and go down the side road. Turn around, went down the side road, got halfway down the field and hit the brakes, son. Caution lights and hit (laughs) the brakes because there was two strutters about two hundred yards off the road just doing their thing with a couple hands. I'm like, boy. I'm like, now we're talking. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, that not gonna lie, dude. That's when that Jake fan would have came in handy because I could have whipped that bad boy out and walked right to him. Except, of course, I had to get permission to go hunt there. So I got on Onyx, and again, huge shout out to Onyx for this. Got on Onyx, and I found the guy's name, and saw the house on the property that he lived in. Well, kind of drove around there to the house, whatever. And the older gentleman, and uh, I guess it's probably two of his sons were out kind of working in front of the house, and pulled up, and you know, I was talking to him a little bit, and you know, I asked him like, you know, hey. By any chance, is there any way I can get, you know, hunting permission uh, for tomorrow morning just to go, you know, hunt turkeys on your property? And, you know, like it happens sometimes, he, he, he said no, but then he kind of gave me his reasoning for it. And out here, guys, I mean, once you get outside of Cleveland, south of that, or eastward, it is straight up Amish country. I mean, I probably legit passed 70 buggies today driving around these back roads for about five, six hours. I mean, it was unreal. But he said that he had a, a, a pack kind of with some of the Amish guys around there that um, – they had exclusive hunting permission to his property, which is about 700 acres. And uh, just because uh, for them cutting his firewood. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, I appreciate that. and I can understand that. So I was like, you know, thank you, sir. Kind of went on my way, but man, that hurt dude. Those two birds, they were still out there strutting after, after I left. I was like, man, that's, that's rough, dude. I, I literally thought if he gave me permission, I was going to go, I was going to go home or come back, find me some cardboard boxes. And I was literally going to paint a fan on a cardboard box and walk out to those sons of guns and shoot them, because I was not about to play fair on that one. I was about to go out there and just get <laughs> me a bird, because uh, these birds give me a run for my money. But yeah, cardboard box fan. That that was my go-to if I was I was able to get permission. But you know that didn't work out. Um, so I pretty much tried to cover a lot of ground. I found some other birds later on in the day. Was able to locate the, uh, the landowners, unfortunately. But uh, you know that's kind of going into tomorrow or uh, Monday when this drops. Uh, I'm going to go to a place where the only place I saw in public land where I actually saw a bird, saw a turkey. And it's actually a funny thing is it's right behind the uh, check-in station where the game warrants at. So I probably can get checked tomorrow, which is fine. i have a good conversation with the guys tomorrow with the game warrants. But uh, anyways, other than that, that's pretty much what I've been doing up here. But again, we'll see how this all goes. Hopefully I can get on some birds in the morning. Uh, I have a decent idea where they might be roosted. So we'll see how that all plays out.
1: Hope you get them, dude. I hope you feel your tags, man. You need to kill another turkey. You need to kill a longbeard now.
0: Yeah, I know, man. I finally killed my first turkey being a jake, and now i got to step it to a friggin' longbeard, dude. But I'm not going to lie, dude. If, by the end of this hunt, man, if I get a jake to come out, I will have no regrets at all shooting a jake on this hunt, dude. Because this last couple months of just traveling, dude, I'm, I'm so opportunistic. And I mean, it's pretty much at the end of this hunt, dude, if it's a legal bird, I will have no shame in taking a legal bird uh so that's that's kind of the situation it's looking like right now but hopefully again i can find some birds that really want talk in the morning that's that's what i'm hoping for i just want to hear some birds and kind of get on some uh so we'll we'll see how that all plays out but now andrew kind of give us a little rundown after my uh soapbox right there uh <laughs> give us a little rundown of what you've been up to lately especially uh with doing your limb lines
1: yeah so turkey season's over and uh now that turkey season's over, uh, I still want to get some, like, game meat because, you know, I, I still will go out to restaurants and everything, but in my home, like in my home, my apartment, uh, I eat no, all the meat that I eat is game, So which is great. I love it. But, you know, eating deer every night, <laughs> every weekday is like, eh, okay, I'm kind of tired of deer meat. I want something else. So we got some hog meat, we killed a hog back in August. We got some turkey, I killed three this year, so I got a little bit of turkey meat, a uh, bunch of squirrels, but those don't ever last long because we eat them up, and we got a little bit of quail meat too. But just to d- diversify, because we've been eating just like red meat for months now, I really wanted to get some fish. So I'm like, well, I'll just go set some limb lines uh, down here near the apartment. So I head down to the creek with my buddy, Patrick, and. The, We get down there, and we start setting lines. We start going upriver, and I'm like, well, we'll just walk till we get to a good stopping point and then set lines as we come back down. Because it's not a very big creek, and we were just wading it. So we're walking up this creek, and we uh, get to some shoals, and uh, it's like this creek is, like, just clay, really. Like, there's no big rocks. There's gravel bars, but it's mostly clay bottom, so it's, like, soft. Kind of crappy walking, to be honest. It's It's a difficult uh, creek to wade up. But we get to a shallow spot where these uh, shoals are. It's like a gravel bar and the water's cutting down through this gravel bar and it's only maybe ankle deep. And uh, then I hear my buddy Patrick. He's like, hey man, look at that. And I look up and I see a fin coming up out of the water coming towards these shoals. And so I'm like, oh, cool fish. So I dump everything out of my bucket. I'm like, I'm just going to get it, whatever it is. It gets closer and it's like six gar all tangled up in a ball spawning. And one of them was pretty big like probably close to four and a half five feet and uh that was probably the female and then all the other ones were a little bit smaller trying to spawn her i'm trying to figure out what to do and patrick man just freaking jumps down there and grabs it and he starts like wrestling around with this big gar and they all scatter out and the water's so shallow that they're having a hard time swimming so we're like trying to grab them and then finally i just uh i get the bucket and i like smack one that's coming by me and it like rolls up onto the bank and then I get up on, I run up on the bank and get on top of it. And Patrick's like running around trying to get another one and he can't get it. And I get mine pinned down and then we dispatched it and boom, got a gar. So got some fish meat and uh <laughs> yeah, you can eat gar, man. You were pretty that, surprised about that.
0: Yeah, no, that is hilarious, dude. I cannot believe y'all... Hot guard, kind of barehanded, coming down some shoals. <laughs> that, it, like, I would have legit paid to see what that looked like because I know that had to be funny, dude. That, no, be... I,
1: I could not stop laughing. I was like, "What just? Ha- what did we just do?" That's the most redneck thing I've done in my life. <laughs> like, wrestling these gar, man.
0: <laughs> oh well, one hundred percent. I mean, that's this. Just... Oh man, it doesn't get more redneck than that, dude. So I guess you're playing the part out of us too. So <laughs> guys, guys, I guess you can see who's the uh, who's the more redneck out of us, and who's I guess the more yuppie. So I, there you go. But uh, no, that's that's hilarious, dude. <laughs> and and also about you just hunting. I mean, uh, or not hunting, but fishing for gar and catching gar and also eating gar again. That's kind of something I've always kind of thought of as a trash fish. And I know probably most of our listeners think that's a trash fish. And you say they're edible. I'll take you up on your word on that, but I want you to kind of explain the reason behind why you think they're edible and how you cook them.
1: So no matter what it is, any species that people say is like trash, there's always a way to make it taste good. And I haven't quite figured that out with gar yet. I'm not going to say they're not a trash fish yet because it was not that good. But I know that there is a way to make it taste good. I just got to figure it out. But, I mean, like, people say that, like, buffalo carp and everything are, are trash fish, and I've eaten those, and they're actually very good meat. It's kind of bony, but the meat is very good on those. That's just an example. But uh these gar, man, they're hard to get into. They're really hard to skin because of how just the scales are like armor. Like, I'm not kidding. You could skin that thing out, and, like, <laughs> certain broadheads would have trouble getting through that crap, man. I mean, it's tough. So... You really got to run a knife pretty much up under the scales and just you're not cutting you're just separating the scales basically it's it's hard to explain but basically you just cut a ring around the head underneath the scales and then put your knife to gut it put your knife like down its belly just run it up under the scales and then push up and you're basically just breaking it you know like with the tip of the knife up against the spine you're pushing upward and it's basically just breaking the scales in half or not in half, they're separating, and then you're cutting the flesh in between them. And you do that all the way down, and then you skin around it, just like you're skinning a deer, like how you'd skin the hide off. And you pull that off, and then you're left with basically like two back straps. Like, all the meat on a gar is basically the back straps. And if you get like a big gator gar, I mean, it looks like a venison back strap, except like fish meat. It's not like red meat, but that's like the shape of it. Hmm. So... The first time I ever ate gar, it was actually pretty decent. Like I would serve it to people and they would not know what it was. And what I did then was I actually ground it in a meat grinder and then mixed it with a uh, like fish fry stuff, or like even like hush puppy mix and a uh, mustard and mayonnaise, to, like give it a little bit of ta- flavor and moisture and then deep fry it and make little gar balls. And that was actually really good. What I did this time was I just battered and fried it like you would catfish just to kind of know what just the meat tastes like by itself and uh man it was uh it was interesting like it wasn't so, it wasn't horrible but it, it definitely wasn't good
0: okay so explain it because i'm sure you, we probably lost a lot of listeners just in like, <laughs> like you, you grinding up gar and eating it so again guys that's andrew for you but What? Okay, so explain what the taste and texture is like of just the meat, the way you cook it this time.
1: Okay. Uh, Okay, so you know fish meat is like flaky. You know, it's like... you. It's supposed to be. Yeah, fish meat is not tough. Like, you could not make catfish meat tough if you tried. Like, you just can't. When you cook it, it just breaks down and it's fork tender and you can just pull it apart and like mash it up with your hands. Gar meat is like... It's more like red meat like it's more like if I had to liken it to like a cut of meat off a of deer as far as texture goes it would be like if you boned out a shank and then fried it I mean that's that's kind of what it was like <laughs> oh, oh
0: god, <laughs> oh
1: my god. Dude, it was tough it was tough like I had one piece I don't know what I did with this one piece that made it different I had one piece that was good and then the rest of it was just like I mean dude it was like eating like a rubber band that tasted like gamey fish. Like I, I don't know. It's probably just the way I cooked it because when I did the garballs it really wasn't that bad. And I don't know, that might be the only way to cook it, but I've seen people butter it and put like a coat on it of some sort, like garlic and everything, and then grill it and say that it was really good. But I'm just, I've yet to try that. I kind of wanted to just taste it by itself just to get a better idea of like what the actual flesh tastes like. Cause then I'd, I'd like know better what to do with it in the future, but the texture was not good, not good at all.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're right about that. I'm sure that I can. Oh yeah, that sounds disgusting. Personally, <laughs> 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 I'll I'll be a realist on this side, dude. I don't know about that, man. That's I, I'll eat deer heart, deer tongue, whatever, man. But oh, if it, if, if it was that bad, dude. Oof. That's that's rough, dude. That's rough. I also say, yeah, guys. So Andrew actually got me to eat deer tongue one time, and not gonna lie, again probably just lost some more listeners because of that. Actually, tasted pretty good. Actually, it was like stupid tender, but um, that's just another kind of weird thing that we've kind of eaten. And I know some people talk about that, oh, and you know, of man. course, heart. So
1: people like people. Steve Renella talks about this kind of stuff a lot. Where like, dude, you're just missing out if you don't try that stuff. Like. Even, like, a lot of guys throw away shanks, and I'm like, man, shanks can be good if you do them right. You make asabuco, or you can throw them in a crock pot and pull them apart. You can do whatever. That's like a good piece of meat if done correctly. And same thing with uh, deer ribs, because growing up, we never kept deer ribs, and a lot of guys, if they do keep them, they just skin them out and uh, grind it up. But I've started just keeping, like, a rack of ribs off a deer and cooking them like regular ribs. And I, they're kind of difficult to cook. They're a little hard to get right. But when you do it right, they're absolutely delicious, man. They're so good when you do it right. And it's it's kind of like a weird mix of seasoning, uh, wrapping it up correctly to keep moisture in it, and leaving enough, you know, deer fat does not taste good. Just like flat out, it doesn't. It just, it's like waxy. Yeah, it's waxy, And so, yeah, yeah you got to cut almost all that off but the best time I've ever had deer ribs, I cut off all the fat except for, I mean, just a little bit. I left a little bit on there because I knew it would, like, render and, like, give a little bit of moisture to the meat. And it was delicious. Uh, you just got to eat it kind of hot because it's a uh, – it's – um what's the word? Like, it – it, it uh, Condenses it, back down? Yeah, it condenses at – a higher temperature you know like if it, get, if it gets to room temperature it's gonna be like it, it's gonna start getting solid the fat is so you get that like white layer on things like you know like bacon grease in a pan like how it'll solidify mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of the same thing with the fat on deer ribs so you gotta eat it hot but when you do eat it hot man it's very very good and say I mean tongue tongue's the same thing man that piece of tongue is just it's the most unique piece of meat on the whole deer, in my opinion. I, it's just nothing else is like it, nothing else tastes like it, and it's just good. Like, it's just good. And people get grossed out by, ooh, tongue, you know. Like, I remember watching a buck a couple years back that I should have shot, but I didn't shoot him. Uh, he was sitting there licking on his tarsal glands for, I don't even know how I mean, it was a long time. He was just going at his tarsals. I was like, whoever eats a deer tongue is an idiot. Because they sit there and they lick their tarsals. But what you do is you wash the tongue off, and when you cook it, the I, I guess like the epidermis layer, like the outside layer of the tongue, peels off. So you're not eating like the surface of the tongue. You're just eating the meat on the inside. And I'll I'll throw it in like a um in a pot with some beef broth or something, and just boil it with a bay leaf or two in there and maybe some other seasonings for like two hours or just until it's done. It's kind of hard to tell. It's just kind of a learning thing <laughs> to know when it's done. And then you take it out, let it rest for a minute so you can fool with it, and then pull off all the skin on the outside and slice it up. And it is delicious, man. It's a great piece of meat.
0: Yeah, so again, guys, the first time I ever did ever had deer tongue was I was over I think I was over at your house, and we had some buddies over and everything. And you know, we're drinking whatever, and you know, and it's like, oh yeah. I'm like, what's cooking the pot? And Andrew like deer talking. I'm like, dude, I'm not eating that at all. I'm not touching that. He's like, you gotta try at least one. I'm like, all right, cool. So we'll, we'll see. Well. We, we cooked a little bit of it, and dude, I'm not going to lie, it was so tender and so good, but I think the secret is, instead of boiling it, because it takes, it takes a while, I mean, I think you did, like, two and a half hours before, like, it was perfect, if you did it in a pressure cooker, after, like, probably, like, ten minutes, it'd be fine, it'd be perfect, uh, and then kind of do the same thing with your seasonings and everything, dude, it'd come out so good, but yeah, man, it's so tender, I mean, it's more tender, than, for real, than uh, tenderloins, uh, so, I mean, it's it's unreal. I mean, it's really good. Again, it's one of those kind of pieces of meat that's not for everybody because some people are just squeamish and they, they won't eat that. Same thing like some people don't, won't eat heart, which is another really good cut that, again, I think, Andrew, you're the first one to have me try that. Andrew will eat anything, guys, by the way. This dude, if, if it's a piece of meat, he will try it, okay? Dude's crazy. I'm pretty sure, like, dude, if we kill a coyote, you said you would eat a coyote, right?
1: I, uh, man, I'm not, <laughs> against, I'm not against trying a coyote. <laughs> See, I'm not against it.
0: Okay, we 100 percent just lost all the listeners right by now. Yep. that was that was all. I've,
1: I've heard the bobcats good. I've heard the bobcat is
0: like a fine meat. Well, people see people eat mountain lion though, and supposedly mountain oh, lion yeah. backstraps are like really good. It's almost like a pork. It has like a pork texture to it and taste. Um, so i wonder if bobcat would taste the same. I know, again, guys, this sounds kind of weird, but if you if you listen or watch Steve Ranella Meat Eater, you kind of get where we're saying with all this. I mean, he he's a very he's a guy that he's a he's a when he hunts, but he likes to use every piece of meat possible and he doesn't like to waste anything. So that's kind of like where we're going, guys, with this is, you know, you need to try all these cuts of meat at least once, especially if you have someone that is willing to try it with you like a buddy or something. I know it's kind of stupid. It sounds kind of stupid. sounds kind of silly, but, you know, you might find something that you really enjoy and another reason for you to not waste a lot of extra meat especially shanks I'm, I'm a bad person about that to be honest i'm an individual i used to waste shanks all the time until again you, you and me andrew kind of you know got connected and kind of started hunting together and learning you know each other's techniques because you know i would never back in the day you know we'd always use shanks for ground uh, ground venison and you know to be honest it makes horrible ground venison just because how much tendon and silver meats in there or silver skin it makes it so tough and uh but yeah man if you cook it down in a, in a um in a crock pot it is so good and that's another piece of meat that i know a lot of people a lot of people really just miss out on and really waste along with the ribs i mean another thing i never thought about cooking deer ribs until you talked about it and then i heard steven Ranella talk about it and how he literally will cut them into sections like he'll like cut the whole rack out roll them up take like a hacksaw cut them in half and literally like put them in a crock pot like that and just cook them down and uh, I've had deer ribs before. They were great. Uh, again, this is one of those things that it's not like pork ribs. It's a little bit different texture, but it can taste really good, guys, if you cook it that way. And really just being a steward of the earth and not wasting a bunch of excess meat. And I know this is not for everybody. I know some guys, especially if you don't process your own meat, you're not going to do this, and I, I I guess fine. Like, I don't blame you. I personally like to process my own meat. Same thing with Andrew. I know when you have the free time, you'll do the same thing. Oh, yeah. But when you when you process your own meat and do your own thing, do your own cuts, you really have a lot more control of, you know, what to keep and what to you know leave out if you want to yeah
1: man uh I, I, yeah i love cutting up my own deer just because i can do i can do whatever i want with it and i don't know it's just fun i like i like doing it but you know my friend colton who is he's one of my roommates uh, in my apartment man he he's another guy that's kind of pushed me to try different things because me and colton have always been pretty adventurous eaters like i grew up with him and we would always hunt behind his grandfather's house and we would take out 22s And, like, water and, like, fire starting stuff. And we would go out and just spend all day back on this land uh, just hunting small game with 22s just fooling around. And we wouldn't take anything with us except, like, some van of sausages or something. And we would just try and shoot our own food. And we'd go out and we would shoot, like, we were young, you're not supposed to do this. But it's, like, we would shoot squirrels, songbirds, like, anything with meat attached to it we would shoot it and then like cook it over a fire and we're like 10 10 years old running around the woods like just having a blast shooting all this meat we're like eating squirrel heart in the woods like i didn't have a childhood like most other people but colton i mean he's even he's tried stuff that i haven't tried like he cooked uh kidneys he took he cooked kidneys out of a dough he shot this year and i cannot remember whether or not he liked them but we've also tried you know deer liver a lot which It can be good, it's just not my thing, because every deer liver I eat is like sweet, like real sweet, and I don't like that, man, I don't like sweet meat, it's nasty.
0: Yeah, I I mean, clearly we all have now come to realize that you did not have a normal childhood, (laughs) (laughs) as we all have come to realize on this episode, but... You know that that is something that's kind of interesting. You know, I can kind of relate with that. Uh, back in the day, back in uh, I think it was, man, maybe sophomore freshman freshman year of high school. Me and a couple of buddies, um, you know, Marshall me, Marshall Brooks, and a couple other guys. We went out and we went fishing. I think well, I think Marshall was with us and uh, went out fishing some local pond and uh, caught some crappie. And we decided, you know, let, let's cook one over the fire. So we made a fire and cooked crappie. I think we filleted it and then put it over a fire, cooked it on a stick. No salt, pepper, nothing. And try to eat that sucker, that was the nastiest piece of fish I have ever eaten. I think your garb probably tastes better than that, dude. It was so, dude, it was so bad, man. Like, it gives you appreciation for seasonings, I'm not going to lie. That and breader. Uh But, yeah, man, we, we tried doing that before, uh, you know – I've never tried to cook squirrel, but, you know, I've gone out, like, when I was real young, probably, God, I might have been 10, maybe 10, 11 years old. Again, this is back before, you know, the education of understanding uh, game laws and things. <laughs> so, again, po- po- apologize about this, guys, but yeah. <laughs> would go out, go out any time of the year and go shoot doves with a pellet gun and literally call my uncles and tell them, hey, I shot a dove, how do I clean it? And they're like, I cannot believe you killed that thing out of season. I'm like, oh, I, just, I didn't know. I just wanted." to want to eat it and literally talked one of my uncles talked to me over the phone how to clean a dove and then i cooked it and i had my mom cook it that night with some olive oil and i mean it was pretty good and it was kind of like one of the first times i ever had dove and this yeah it was being adventurous i know a lot of other guys can kind of relate with that just kind of doing something different especially when you're young dumb and stupid so. yeah
1: man that's some of the best fun ever though when you're young just running around just plinking stuff with a 22 we would run around on the railroad tracks way back in the woods and Shoot beer bottles that we found, and man, we had a blast. I learned a lot of stuff in those woods. I learned, I learned how to squirrel hunt in those woods. I started to get good at deer hunting in those woods. I had a couple turkeys. Me, me, and Colton have this thing. We call it the turkey scourge. <laughs> it was like it was spring break sometime back when we before. I know it was before we could drive, but we basically just lived at his grandfather's house for all of spring break and we just turkey hunted and we didn't know anything about turkey hunting and we, we tried so hard and we got so close so many times and we never killed a turkey but I mean it's just memories like that man it's just it was a lot of fun back then and I, it and so, like you said it, give, it gives you an appreciation like I think that's where my appreciation for just game meat in general came from just going out there and just doing it and having that freedom when I was that young really influenced who I am today.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time that I really recall eating game meat and venison was um, I was probably probably again, 10, 11 years old at my uncle's house. And he had cooked up deer jerky. And was the first time I ever had deer jerky. And it was awesome. And that kind of gave me another reason to go hunting was because like, oh, I just wanted deer jerky. And I know a lot of people kind of can relate with that because everyone likes deer jerky and this you know venison jerky jerky is just delicious so that kind of gave me another reason to go hunting is just like oh yeah i want some deer jerky to take home and that first deer i killed uh when i was i think i was 10 or i think i was 11 or 12 uh had like half of it done deer jerky and the other half were kind of like steaks and stuff but i kind of let my uncle have that because again didn't know how to cook it my both my parents don't hunt my dad doesn't hunt um uh, you know my mom does not hunt at all uh, so I kind of got into hunting through my uncle, uh, through one of my mom's brothers. Uh, so that's kind of how my introduction to like wild game happened. And I remember another thing when I was real young, probably like, man, I might've been eight or nine years old. My, when my grandparents, when my grandfathers took me out to their local, their church to a, a wild game, like dinner or whatever they had and uh there was like fried quail and i still remember that fried quail it was so good tastes like a little fried chicken they had like rabbit stew and like they had like uh elk and they had venison they had all kinds of other game that you could just taste and try while you were there that gave me another appreciation to really go hunting and kind of help build the urges it's one thing to like kill an animal it's another thing like for a trophy or whatever it's another thing to eat that animal and understand that like it's food like it's not just a trophy it's food and I think that's, you know, where my appreciation for really hunting really came from was, like, doing stuff like that at a really young age.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, me too. And I was, like, when I was a kid, man, I still am, but back then I was just sick for it. That's all I cared about. I just wanted to go out and, and like, just hunt and just be out there. And then, you know, the older I got, and especially after my dad died, it was just, like, I wanted to, I wanted to be, like, the best at it. Like, I wanted to be just like I don't know like just good I just wanted to be like a good I wanted that to be my thing and man I hunted so much in high school and throughout middle school I mean it's it's all that I did and I spent just a ridiculous amount of time out in the woods where you know other other kids my age were like playing video games or you know getting up into high school like going to going to Panama City and drinking on spring break and I was just I was going turkey hunting or going deer hunting every chance I get and when I wasn't going deer hunting I was squirrel hunting or I was wading a creek with an ultralight or I was running trot lines and it's just eating all these different things man it gives you such a broader perspective on like life in general but also just food and how things taste and that kind of brings me to a point about you know, you'll have people like, "Oh, that's gamey. That deer meat tastes gamey," which that's a whole can of worms right there, because it could be, it, they could be talking about it tastes bad because you screwed something up when you were cooking it or when you were cleaning it, or they could just be talking about what venison tastes like, and like another that's another thing Steve Renella kind of harps on, and it took me a long time to realize this, but now now that I've heard him say it, I'm like, yeah, okay, that that's exactly right, where it's like people. Like all that people eat nowadays is beef, pork, and chicken and like some people eat lamb, but that's that's what you get from the store. And so that's just what you've always eaten. And deer meat does not taste like any of those at all. Like it's just it's different. And so people taste deer meat and they'll be like, Ooh, it's gamey, it tastes well no, it's just that's just what deer meat tastes like. It's just a different flavor that you're not used to.
0: Well, uh, it's very true. I uh, will have a different thing about that. It's all about how you prepare it, how you clean the animal, and take care of the meat before you cook it, and before you package it, and then also how you cook it. I, I, that's one reason I am a meat freak. That's 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 my nickname, meat freak. That's <laughs> there you go. Because when I process a deer, I am so finicky about keeping it on ice, and I age my meat, dude. I started doing that this actually this past year, aging my beef or my venison. Uh, after I package it, before I cook it, uh, and it's helped out so much, dude. It is so good, and like I've gotten steaks and uh roasts and all that down to the point now that I literally will have people come over. I will feed people that venison, and they legit ask me what kind of what where did I buy this steak from, or where did I buy this roast from. They do not realize and understand it is venison. I'll tell them afterwards, and like they're amazed. And actually, I started cooking for my father because. Uh, he had wild game, he had venison when he was younger, and never liked it because that whole you know gamey feeling. The whole th- where the game gameiness comes from is the excess of blood in the meat when you cook it. It means that's the iron that's that iron taste you taste. When you bite into a piece of uh, venison that was not properly bled and properly aged, that's what that taste is coming from. That's why people say soak in salt water, which is not good for the meat. I used to do that all the time, and it breaks down the meat. It's not a good thing for it, and it actually takes a lot of the actual like flavor from it, like the actual good flavor, not like the not the blood flavor. Uh, and then also, you know, some people say put it in whole milk and that kind of crap. If you literally will take your cut out... When you package your meat, okay, if you package it, or even if you go to a, go to a uh, go to a processor, even that, when you take your meat out of the freezer and you're about to cook it, take it out like legit. Try to do this two weeks before you're gonna cook a steak, okay, guys. Take it out and you're gonna put it in a big Tupperware bowl, okay, frozen whatever. Let it thaw in there. Every two days, take it out, dump the blood out. It's gonna it's gonna drain the blood. It's gonna age in there. Drain the blood out every two days. By, like, the 10th day, there will be barely any blood in there, and it starts to age, and, dude, it will be so stupid tender. And you can cook it barely with any salt and pepper, and it will not have any gaminess because there's no blood left in it, dude. And it is unreal. I started doing that this year, man, with my steaks and my roasts, and it it totally changed the game. I mean, you can cook it with less seasoning because you don't have to hide that blood in that's left in the meat, and it's unreal. So I think if people started doing that and taking – more care of the meat because it's not like it's not like uh, beef, guys. Beef because it has so much fat in it, it gives it that sweeter taste to it. Same thing with pork, okay? But you can have gamey, uh, uh, gamey uh, beef and pork too if something's killed and then quickly processed without having time to drain. If you go to a processor, and I actually have a buddy of mine that works as a, as a uh, at a butcher shop, their meat when they get in before they cut their steaks, it's been hanging, dude, for almost thirty days before they get it. And it's had all that. It's it's like dry age. and that's what you got to do to get your meat proper. That's one reason I hate. I'm not a big fan, and I'm sure some guys will you know bite at me because I'm not a big fan of ground venison because you can't properly age it, and you can't unless you drain the blood correctly. It's always gonna have like that what you call gamey taste, that irony taste to it with a uh, with uh, that ground venison. That's why you know people put in chili and stuff because you can't hide, you kind of hide it. But I'm not a huge fan of that because, you know, if I'm going to eat it, I want to eat the meat. I don't want that covered it up. So I'm not a big fan of grinding it just because of that reason.
1: Yeah, and it pains me to, like, to cook deer meat. Like, I I never, I very, very rarely grind deer meat unless I'm making it into sausage. But, you know, like, grinding it and throwing it in some spaghetti, my mom loves to do that, man. She's always asking me for ground deer meat because she loves using it for chili and spaghetti and stuff. And I'm like, that's great and all. But it's like you're covering up the flavor. I like the flavor of, like, just meat. I like deer meat. I like how it tastes, and I don't like putting it in something that covers it up. Like, even I'll throw something in the crock pot and shred it up, and i throw some barbecue sauce on it and make, like, a sloppy joe, and while that's good and I do like it, I don't like to do it – I'll do it with, like, one roast off a deer just because I like cooking the rest of it where the – like I think I wrote an article about this on the website where it's like the meat is the star of the dish, and you base everything else in the dish around the flavor of the meat rather than the flavor of like a sauce or a seasoning or something. It's like it's like going to it's like going to a steakhouse and ordering a thirty dollar ribeye and then putting a one steak sauce all over it.
0: Oh yeah, God, I hate those people. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I guys, I I'll be upfront, dude. If you had to put steak sauce on a steak, either you get that steak overcooked or it's a crappy steak man. I'm offended
1: dude. when people do that when yeah. I cook. I'm like
0: you you joker what what is it not good enough for you <laughs> dude oh don't get don't get me started man oh man that drives me. I hate like dude if you go to like a decent steak restaurant or steakhouse and you get I'm a ribeye guy because I like that high fat content and if they ever ask me oh would you like me a1 steak? steaks so I'm like only if it's a bad steak man I'll let you know if I need some a1 if I'm if I let you know I need a1 something's something's messed up okay <laughs> uh so that's that's kind of scenario scenario with that but getting back to actually what you said about uh the shredded venison dude and barbecue sauce I actually made some like barbecue pulled venison earlier this year and dude it was so stupid good i took a a cut because i do all my own cuts and i call it my round roast off the uh the back hind quarter took one it was probably about a five five pound piece of meat Cleaned it off, had it, it was already aged for, I think I aged that for 10 days. Took it out and threw it in the crock pot. Uh, salt, pepper, um, what, and a little bit of cayenne, just a little bit of cayenne in there, and let it cook. I cooked it for, I think, like five, right at five hours. The last, probably 45 minutes before it was done, I put uh, Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce in there, dude, and kind of let it like settle down with it. Um, and also, uh, Fred mentioned, I add like half a cup of water to add some more moisture to it when it was cooking. And dude, oh my god, you mix that up, dude. It was so stupid good, man. That on a bun, I swear to- you, I did, I'd pick that over pork any day, man. It was so good. It's so tender. I mean, it you know, venison's known to be stringy. When it like when it falls apart, you know, it'll fall apart, but it's kind of stringy. It was so tender, man, you could like it would just pull apart in each little strand, dude. If you hit it with a fork, it would just like fall apart, man. It was amazing. And, uh, dude, it was so good. So I'm definitely going to be doing that some, some with that mule deer. Uh, I've yet to eat that mule deer at all, dude, uh, from our hunt this year. So I'm kind of saving it, dude. I got probably 60, 65 pounds of that meat still in the freezer. So I got to, I got to eat that, man.
1: Dude, I, I think that I'm out of backstrap. I cooked, uh, uh, I had a get together the other day with a bunch of friends from church, and I cooked them, uh, some of those jalapeno poppers I do where the cream cheese and the bacon, and I'm sure everybody knows what we're talking about, but for the sake of like someone who might not know what it is, it's like you get a jalapeno, chop it in half, and uh, you can gut gut the seeds out of it, um, and then lay a piece of, a little bit of cream cheese down in it, and then put a little sliver of backstrap or whatever other slice of meat you want on top of that, and then wrap it up in bacon and cook it like that. And dude, it, it, they're so good. And I think I think that was my last backstrap that I cooked for them that way. But that was the first, I think that might have been the first deer meat that a couple of them had. And they were blown away. I was like, man, this is like the easy thing I do. You should see some of the complicated dishes I make. Which, that reminds me actually real quick of a, uh, something I did earlier this fall when I... Uh, first moved where I am now I went out to the local public land and I'm walking around out there scouting for hogs because I wanted some uh, pig meat this was back in August and uh, when I'm out there I'm looking to put out a trail camera and I start noticing all these mushrooms like everywhere in the forest I'm like those look like something that I know what it is but I can't remember and so I go home and I look it up and they're chanterelles so I go back out there and like confirm like yes these are edible mushrooms and I think you were with me one day, and we picked like a mess dude. of them, dude. We picked so many; they were everywhere. Yes.
0: Okay, that was a blast because that was the day I shot that hog. I missed it with my pistol, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. yeah,
1: oh yeah, man. The, these hogs came tearing by me and Jacob, and one of them had a dead squirrel in its mouth, and they had no idea yeah, we were there, crazy. man. They were just milling around, and Jacob pulls out his Glock and pops a couple rounds off at them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay, that, that was before I did, like, hardcore, like, legit hardcore practice and training with it, man. I, I, God, yeah, the 10 millimeter did not hit its mark, Smart. unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, that was fun. But, yeah, those chanterelles, man, I never knew what those mushrooms were. I took, I took, listen, you don't know how much faith I put in you at that time because I'm like, <laughs> if I die, if I die from these, this is, listen, I, my ghost is coming back to haunt you if you do not die. But I'm like, all right, so you know, you're like, okay, let's let's pick let's pick these mushrooms. We're good to go. And dude, we picked so many, man. We found that one spot, man. God, like, literally all we could
1: carry, dude. Like, I, I think we had my backpack and we stuffed a bunch in my backpack, and then like that's what just, it was. like in yeah. our pockets or like wherever we could put them. And we we took them back. And for anybody listening, uh, you can look up chanterelle mushrooms and see what they look like. They're pretty easy to identify, and they're I think. Don't take my word for this, but like, make sure you find people that know what they're talking about. There's a lot of forums on Facebook where you can get in and talk to people who know a lot about mushrooms. Or maybe it's you can meet with somebody and talk to them. But make absolutely sure you know what it is because foraging mushrooms can be pretty dangerous if you get the wrong thing. Um, but I talked to some people and they're like, yeah, chanterelles are safe. And the look-alike of a chanterelle, which a lot of mushrooms have lookalikes that are poisonous and they're like, the lookalike um it's pretty easy to distinguish but also it won't kill you it'll just like make you sick for a day or two so i was like okay then that's a good one to start with and we just (laughs) brought them home and you just kind of wash them off gently try and get the dirt off of them and then throw them in a pan like a cast iron skillet or just a regular skillet and uh let them just cook with nothing like no butter no oil no nothing just throw them on there and basically just dry them out because they hold a lot of moisture and you sit there, and uh, the lights start sizzling, and you'll, you can see the water evaporating out of them. And then they get to a point where they're starting to get pretty dry, and then I'll throw a little bit of butter in there and, like, saute them in the butter to, like, crisp the edges. And then, then we serve that with some backstrap, and, oh, oh yeah, buddy.
0: Woo. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. Good eating, son. Good eating. And the, But the funny thing is, as many as we got, because, like, we filled up, like, a backpack and some pockets. They because they they have so much moisture when they do cook down, it is like so much smaller. The ratio of how many you thought you had to how many or how much like the quantity actually came out to be. It's almost like making that, jerky.
1: Mean, like you start actually, with a, probably, yeah, it's like you start with a ton, and then by the time you've got it all cooked up, you're like you got like less than half of what you had.
0: Yeah, pretty much it. It was, uh, it was it was fun, dude. I mean, because that, that was the first time I've ever tried to go pick mushrooms. And we don't really, I guess we don't have uh, moral or is it morale? morale. Yeah, moral mushrooms. We do. It, we do? Yes. Okay. I've they
1: just, messing. here, I've been trying to get them for like three years, but for my part of Alabama, or most of Alabama, they come in like way, way earlier down here from what I understand. I still haven't found any, but it's like they come in way earlier down here than they do up north. So this year on like these forums I'm on on Facebook and everything, the, there was people finding them. There was people saying that it was done, like y- there's no more morels to be found by like the first 5 days of March. So they're like, yeah, it's over. And so Holy yeah, cow. I mean it's like in February usually in Alabama we'll have we'll start warming up in February. Like towards the end of February, the the we'll have some warm days and we kind of the temperature gradually rises as we get closer to turkey season. There's there's still cold days, but it's like From what I understand, you get a warm snap, and that's what really starts them. And then, you know, they'll just come up as it gets warmer. And I think I was looking on, like, the 6th of March uh, this year. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go out and find some. And I I think I was talking to somebody about it on Facebook, and they're like, yeah, man, you're you're too late. They're all gone now. So this is the third year in a row I've missed them, and I'm starting to get angry. So next year I'm going to be looking at the beginning of February – to like whenever, but I'm going to find one next year. I'm determined because everyone talks them up, and I've still never had one.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, um, somebody I was following on Facebook, uh, I forgot her name, and I, I remember I sent you the photo of it. She found one, dude, that was the size of my microphone. That thing was ginormous, yeah. And I, I was like, God, dude, like, I wonder what they taste like. I really do want, like, this, like, like the curiosity side of me is just wondering what the texture's like and what the taste is. I'm, I guess it's. I probably like the chanterelles if I had to guess. I'm sure it's a lot of moisture that kind of gets cooked out of them, but I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm really interested. So. Yeah, for
1: the chanterelles, by the way, if anybody's kind of wondering what they taste like, the you just have to try them. But I will say it's like uh, earthy. Like it, it's not. I'm not <laughs> going to say dirt because it tastes it tastes good, and dirt would make it sound like it tastes bad. They taste good, but they're earthy in a way that. It just really compliments the deer meat. Like you just, you'd have to try it.
0: I'm not going to lie guys. If any of y'all out there are wine drinkers, it would go really good, legit with a a really good dry, uh, red wine. Uh, just cause the texture, the texture and the flavor of it, that earthy flavor. Like if you were having a steak and those centrails and a glass of red wine, dry red wine, dude, you, it'd be, it'd be perfect. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the scenario for that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just so cool what you can find, guys, out in your neck of the woods, especially on public land. I mean, get out there, explore your pu- local public land, and just see what you can find. And heck, while you're out there finding, trying to find some uh, morel uh, mushrooms or whatever, also you can be scouting for hogs, depending on where you live, or scouting for deer for this fall, and uh, kind of getting an idea of you know what you might want to do out there if you get the opportunity to hunt some public land this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, uh, getting ready for this upcoming season. I know that I don't know about you, but uh, to kind of bring the conversation full circle, I guess now let's uh, let's kind of go into our plans for this upcoming season. And I'll start us out by saying, this summer I definitely plan on hunting hogs, and I'm going to be targeting a lot of catfish and bass and everything. I, you, if you put me in a lake, you put me on Lake Gunnersville, and I will not catch a fish. As far as bass goes, you put me in uh the cahaba river or some little tributary of it where i can just wade up that joker with an ultralight i will i'll tear up some bass man you'll catch a lot of red eye bass which is uh if you're local to where i'm from man, you know what a red eye is it's just kind of a smaller bass lives in creeks and you know a a two pound red eye would be like a monster red eye there that'd be a big one so they're pretty small bass and they're delicious and they're really fun to catch on ultralights and it's just fun wading creeks like that and i find a lot of good deer spots when i do that but i'll take those and scale them and uh fry them whole you know and you'll get like all the meat and then the tails like a chip but oh man i just totally went on a tangent but yeah i'm gonna be fishing for those eating those
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say guys andrew is I, i'm kind of the big body water fisherman andrew is the small body water fisherman he actually got me kind of hooked on creek fishing that was like one of the first times i ever went creek fishing it was i guess two springs ago you and me went out yeah, and i whooped and, you man uh, dude it but that was so much fun man i'm telling you take a little ultra light crappie rod that's all you need i mean small little small little crappie jigs little beetle spin little spinner baits and dude it is the most fun you can ever freaking have i mean you're catching bass there from fingerlings i mean like three four inches long all the way up to you know a couple pounds Like, all in the same body of water. I mean, they're so aggressive. It's an absolute black bass.
1: And they're unpressured fish. I mean, you're you're in there catching fish that, I mean, I'm not going to say they've never seen a lure, but they've probably never seen a lure. Like, in most of these creeks, like, I'm not even, I want to say the name of the creek so bad, but I'm not going to, because it'll, I don't know if people are into ultralight fishing like that, but man, I mean, you get into these creeks and you'll be surprised at how small of a creek you can catch big fish in. I mean, I'm talking a creek that is, I don't know, uh, you might have holes in the creek that come up to your hip, or, it, I mean, even holes that just come up to your knee. You're talking a creek that's like 10 feet wide, maybe, and I've, I've pulled three pounders out of creeks like that. They just, they get up in a man, and every hole has fish in it. And I'll, I'll get like a crawfish jig and, and throw it up above some shoals into the hole, and then bring it down like it's getting swept down. And, man, it's like you you can't not catch a bass doing that. They're just they're just there, and they're so ready to eat whatever you put in front of them, man. It's so much fun.
0: Yeah, 100%. Exactly. You throw it in the shoals. The second they come out of those shoals, man, if you don't have a fish on there, there's not a fish in that creek. Oh, so yeah. That, that, that's kind of the scenario. But, man, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, you can limb line some of those smaller creeks, especially on public land, guys. That's what I was doing each- here when
1: I caught that gar, that creek that I'm talking about. I mean that's a it's not a very big creek at all I mean it's it's big for the area that I'm in like you could like you could park two trucks like bumper to bumper like that's how wide it is it's like two truck lengths and I mean it's not very deep at all I mean the absolute deepest we got was hip deep and uh, I caught a pretty nice catfish out of it you know there's five foot gar in it Uh, there's a ton of ton of fish in it man it's a really productive creek
0: Well, that's another thing. I mean, you can do all kinds of things. You just make sure, guys, you check your uh, local, uh, the legality of your waterways wherever you live. I know Alabama, I know, Andrew, you can kind of talk a little bit about, you know, about navigatable streams and creeks of how, you know, you can access those, uh, even if it's not public land just because it's state waterways. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's kind of a can of worms. So that's a big issue all over the country, but especially out west. Where basically the the argument is, it's like, like for Alabamians, like most of us know what the Cahaba River is, or like or the Sipsi River, uh, those would be like navigable waterways where basically you can float a canoe down it and you're on public land, and in Alabama it's basically public land up to the high water mark, uh, so you can camp on islands, you can camp right on the bank on a gravel bar, uh, in other states it's different. I know out west. I, I'm not gonna, it might be Wyoming where it's like the the owner of the property like if, if you're floating through somebody's property on the creek they own they don't own the water but they own the stream bed so you like legally can't drop an anchor because you'd be trespassing if you dropped an anchor and it touched the stream bed yeah. which is weird man but it's not like that in Alabama so uh, I would suggest that everybody looks up uh, for your state like the uh, how the state defines like a navigable waterway where you can where you can legally like wade it. So there's some of these creeks that, that even the creeks that I fish in that are kind of in a gray area of whether or not they're navigable waterways, whether or not they're public land. Um, but luckily all those that I do wade are on wildlife management areas or national forests, so it's public land anyways. But don't go tromping through somebody's property. But a good rule of thumb, just what I use is... If you could float a canoe down it, then it's a navigable waterway, so you can legally wade that most of the time. But again, I would just check the laws because you don't want to get on somebody's bad side and get an earful from some landowner or possibly get a ticket. Uh, But yeah, check in on that, but it is some of the most fun you will ever have in the woods, man. And you'll find, when you get way back in these areas, and you're wading these creeks where nobody goes, you'll find great spots. I found a lot of Crossings where deer cross these creeks and I've had success on those crossings the following uh, hunting season, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it is a blast, guys, especially in the summertime, you know, you want to take your mind off work and take your mind off, you know, scouting for whitetails is i mean it's just a blast i mean absolute blast to be able to go out there and hit up a small little creek something like that i mean just pull over the side road especially on some public land just you know way down there you know keep out for keep out for you know water moccasins and copperheads but uh you know it it is just so much fun i mean sure you're catching some small fish sometimes sometimes you might be able to catch a a decent one but you know they're so aggressive they're so much fun to catch i mean you'll have a blast no matter where you're at but uh, I think that's a great point to kind of wrap up on this week's episode, Andrew. What do you think?
1: Yes, I agree. We uh, we didn't really have a plan coming into this one, but I think it turned out pretty good.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, guys, uh, I say on this week, definitely y'all need to try to go out there and try a different cut of meat uh, this next season, uh, especially from deer. I mean, if you've never tried tongue, you know, experiment with it. You know, try that. Try Deer Heart if you haven't had that or you know if you're real brave like andrew try some deer liver i'm not a liver guy somebody
1: get real and eat a testicle Uh,
0: and also deer ribs i mean just (laughs) go out there try something different guys and uh, really enjoy the outdoors and enjoy you know every cut of meat that's possible coming off that game and you know use it to the fullest extent all right andrew and do you have anything else you want to add for the end of this episode
1: uh i will give a shout out to backcountry hunters and anglers you guys most of the people listening probably know who they are. We've mentioned them before. Uh, if you don't know who they are, it is a, a non-profit organization uh, similar to the NWTF or Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Uh, but their, their big thing is protecting public lands and public land habitats and just stuff like that. Uh, mainly a western group, but it's branched out into the east and now our southeastern chapter is just spreading like wildfire. A uh, Really great way to connect with some really, really good hunters, and some of the best hunters I know are in it, and I've learned a ton of stuff from those guys. And uh, Je- Jeff and Chad, if you guys are listening, I had some boudin balls at a restaurant here in Auburn the other day, and they did not even come close to what you guys cooked in Nashville. So congratulations on that, because you guys showed up at a rather expensive restaurant in Auburn. Congratulations. But yeah. Uh, like A lot of those guys are really, really, really good chefs. Uh, like Chad, he, man, he makes his own seasoning blends. Like They're just, they're, they are like uh, the most hunting and fishing people that you'll ever meet. They're good people to be around. Uh, I bring that up because there is a, a storytelling night coming up next month in, uh, I think it's in Nashville, and there's going to be several big name people there um i'll just give one who most of you'll probably recognize and that is uh kevin murphy you've probably if you listen to meat eater his podcast or if you watch a show you've seen kevin murphy on there he's the one that squirrel hunts and does a lot of catfishing in kentucky uh he will be there so you'll have a chance to meet him exchange stories with him have some fun and uh, our very own jeff jones is going to be there um so y'all go meet jeff man he's a he's a great guy jeff uh We appreciate everything you do for the chapter, man. And uh, So y'all look into that, look into getting tickets to that. That'll be a fun night you don't want to miss. Hopefully I'll be able to make it. And then there will also be in Tennessee this month, on the weekend of the 18th, the Total Archery Challenge will be coming to Tennessee. Uh, So I'm not sure, I can't remember where it is, but I know it's going to be in Tennessee. And uh, BHA will be there. There's going to be a lot of BHA guys there. And plus the Total Archery Challenge will be really fun. So if y'all can make it out to that, uh, I I would suggest making it out to that, I guess. Uh, That'll be a lot of fun, fun weekend, a lot of guys that share the same interest as you that are going to be out there shooting bows, having a good time, and you'll have a chance to meet a lot of these BHA people we're talking about and hopefully meet me or Jacob because hopefully one of us will be there. I still don't know yet, but
0: we'll see. Yeah. I'll say I'll definitely, hopefully going to be at the uh, storytelling event in Nashville. I believe it's on the 2nd. Uh, Again, we'll, we'll post that on the page as well. Um, Just in Nashville So if we have any listeners guys Around the Nashville Or Middle Tennessee area uh, Just come on down It's going to be a great time Uh, You'll be able to Again meet me Hopefully Andrew will be able To make it up Uh, Then also some of our Other guys and buddies That uh, we've talked about On the podcast And had on the strut report As well But uh, to kind of Finish off uh, this week's episode The last thing I'd like to say Is this again guys uh, Pay attention for this giveaway We're doing again With Killer Gear uh, With the two Jake fans And hats we're going to be Giving away and, again, we'll have that posted. It's going to be for Instagram only. It's not going to be a Facebook giveaway, guys. It's for Instagram. So, again, what you're going to have to do is like the post once we post it, tag two of your buddies, and then also make sure you follow us on Instagram. And then we'll, again, draw that person, or draw those two winners, I mean, a week from today. So, once again, guys, uh, you know, stay, stay connected with us on Instagram. It's another way for you to stay connected with us. And I hope you all have a great weekend and have a great upcoming week.
1: Yeah, man. With that being said, we will end this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will announce the winner of that giveaway next week. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a, a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, we talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, All the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out, and figure out out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.